That's amazing. There is a reason for that uh, because the river is the assurance of economic prosperity. Uh, it is a source of, of recreation. It's a source of, uh, of refreshing. And um, I want to suggest to you this morning, here's my big idea, or, or the thought comes from what Jesus said uh, uh, on, on the Passover, that great day, the feast on John 7, in John 7, 38, where he said this, He who believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Out of your life will flow rivers of living water. Now that river that flows from you should be indeed a source of great prosperity, a source of recreation, uh, a source of refreshing. Uh, a, a, a source of industry, a source of community uh, out of your life. Jesus didn't say a river. He said rivers. There's a multiplicity. There is a plurality of rivers that flow from your life. Now, to understand the New Testament, as a matter of fact, for those who are here this morning who uh, have an appreciation for what we call God's Word, the Bible. Now, I don't know everybody in the room. Obviously, there are very few people in the room. And you might be here, a visitor. You might not you know, have a, a particular reverence for, for the Bible. And that's okay. But that's the book from which we take our cues. That's the book from which we, we, we determine what God says to us. And uh, to understand the New Testament or, or just about any part of the Bible, really, you've got to keep an eye on the book of Genesis, right? Genesis is what they call the seedbed of the Bible. So all of the great ideas that we read about in the New Testament that Jesus taught us, strangely enough, had their origins thousands of years earlier in the book of Genesis. So what we're going to do today, this whole idea of rivers flowing from our life, we're going to define that a little bit clearer so that we can understand what those rivers are, so that we can then flow, if you like, with, with the direction of that river and maximise the potential of the rivers that flow from your life. Bearing in mind that the world today is full of rivers that have been maximised and they have become the focuses of the great prosperity, the great resources, the great cities of the world, and I'm suggesting this morning that that potentially is your life if you understand this, if you get your head around what those rivers are. And I'm going to suggest that they are defined for us, in fact, described for us in the book of Genesis right the way back. As a matter of fact, in the second chapter, let's go there, shall we? And see what it has to say. It says, this is the history of the heavens and the earth. Chapter 2 of the book of Genesis, verse 4. In the day the Lord made the heavens and the earth before any plant of the field was upon the earth or any herb of the field had grown, for the Lord had caused, uh, for the Lord had not caused it to rain on the earth, for there was no man to till the ground, but a mist went out from the earth and watered the face of the ground. This mist was heavy. Uh, this mist was filled, if you like, with life-giving H2O, and it pulled, and the and and the mist became uh, uh, lakes, dams. Those dams overflowed and they became rivers. How do I know that? Because in verse 10 it says, Now a river 
went out of Eden to water the garden. Where did the river get its water from? Like what was the source of the river? You go to any river, you can follow it to its source. The source of the river was the mist of heaven, the mist of God, that, that, that uh, blessing of God to, to resource and to, uh, uh, to water the area was overflowing, became dams, became lakes. And now it says, uh, out of Eden, the water, the water of the garden, uh, this river flowed and it parted into four river heads. Now that's important. It parted into four river heads. Now let me bring some kind of application for you, okay? This is not just history, all right? Everything that we read about has a deeper application that is very practical for you and I in our day-to-day kind of existence. The Bible's clear that we don't live by bread alone. You know, Jesus said, man doesn't live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And, and, and I want to put to you the idea that every time when you come into the presence of God, you wake up in the morning, all right, purposeful in your heart, not just to be at work by 6.30, but to spend some time in the presence of God, right? You get up that little bit earlier, maybe on the second or the third alarm would be fine. <laughs> and, uh, and you think to yourself, you know, I'm just going to, I'm just going to take a moment and, and, and meditate on God's Word. I'm just going to take a moment and just pray before I get about my business of the day. And, and you've got no idea the significance this is having on your life. Uh, you do it day in, day out, or we should, you know, we, we try to anyhow. You know, do it week in, week out. And, and we don't understand the incredible resource that daily spending time in the presence of God is having upon the way we live our life. You'd be surprised. That strength that you needed in a time of weakness, that wisdom in a time of decision, that, that intervention in a time of danger, that grace in a moment of temptation, that provision in a time of need that flowed in your life. Where did it flow from? I had no idea that was in me. All of a sudden, I was faced with this decision. I wasn't sure whether I should go left or right, but I just knew what to do. Where did that come from? That comes from that presence of God that's welling up in you every time where you decide to just hang out with God, just you and God, that 10 minutes in the chair in the morning. There is this mist, there is this, there is this, there is this thing going on inside of you that's difficult to define but ultimately will spring up a river that Jesus prophesied that would flow out of your life. It will pool and become a a wellspring of life. Lakes will form and then rivers will flow from your life. And let's have a look at these rivers. Let's define them because the, the, uh, the book of Genesis goes on to define four rivers. The multiplicity of rivers I'm suggesting that Jesus prophesied in John chapter 7 are defined for us in Genesis chapter 2. So let's have a look and just see what we can learn out of this because there is a wealth of knowledge here for the way you live your life this morning. Um, I'm, I'm glad you're here. So now a river went out of, uh, out of Eden to water the garden and it parted and became four river heads, right? We've established that fact. The name of the first is Pishan. Uh, it is the one which skirts the whole land of Havilan where... There is gold, and the gold of this land is good. Uh, Damalim and the onyx stone are there. 
God touches your life and there's blessing. And many of you in this room have, been, have uh, if not everyone in this room has experienced the blessing of God. Sometimes we lose sight of it, you know. Sometimes we think, well, the job I've got, you know, maybe you've got a good job and, and uh, you've worked hard, you've studied hard, but you've uh, established yourself, you know, with a reputation. You've got a qualification and, and you've got a good job and you've worked real hard and, and uh, your boss has remunerated you for the contribution that you've made to, you know, the prosperity of the company. And so here you are now, you've got this income coming in and it's easy, right? It's easy for you to discern that income is yours. Easy. That's mine. I worked real hard for it, right? I mean, I studied hard for it. I put in the long hours. I got the overtime. I got the bonus. I got the promotion. Now it's mine. Or maybe you're here and, you know, you've... Um, uh, you, you, you got married and you said to your, your spouse, we want to have children and, and uh, you, you got pregnant or your wife had a baby and then you did your best to, to raise that child and to provide for that child and, and, and now you view that child as yours. I mean, after all, you gave birth to the thing. After all, you've raised a child. After all, you've provided for it. That's mine. Uh, or, or maybe you've got a house or a car, you know. And uh, you went to the bank and you borrowed the money. You got the loan. It's in your name. Yeah, you got a mortgage in your name. You got a title. You got a registration in your name. And, and that gives you some comfort because that house is mine. That car is mine. What you have to understand in life, nothing is yours. Your children belong to God. Your spouse belongs to God. Your income belongs to God. Not 10%, 100%, right? Uh, your house is a blessing of the Lord. And, and what I see here as I look at this first river, this river, where this river flows, there is gold. Let me tell you something about rivers and gold. You can't live without water, but you can live without gold. You can't live without water, but you can live without gold. You don't need gold, but you need water. But the point is this, as the river flows, Right? As you let what is yours go, you find gold in your life. And gold defines you. You see, I've got a little gold ring on my finger here. That defines me. That says I'm married. My wife and I have been married for 34 years. But I'm defined by that little gold uh, ring that I wear on my finger. It, it, it adds meaning and value to my life. Can I live without being married? Sure I can. Sure you can. But do I want to live without being married? Well, now I've been married 34 years and if I had the option, I'd choose to be married. See, it's added meaning and value to my life. See, here's the thought, right? As you take what you have and let it flow through your life, gold comes to your heart. You are, defi you are defined by it. Meaning and value are added because of it. Let me just put it to you in a phrase like this. On the other side of its mine is a gold mine, <laughs> right? On the other side of its mine is a gold mine. How many know the world today is a very possessive place? That's mine. She's mine. Get off mine. Because it's all about Mine. I work hard. I accrue. I hold to myself. 
and I want to see what's mine increase. Whereas I reckon what we're being shown here, and if you can take what's in your hand and let it flow through your life like a river, then it's going to take you to a place where there actually is gold. There will be an increase in the value and the meaning and in the substance of your life. There's four rivers. That's just the first. Let's see what else flows, what happens when there's a flow from our life. The name of the second river, this is interesting, is Gion. Um, it's the one which goes around the whole land of Cush. Now, for those of you who are not familiar with the land of Cush, you probably won't find it on an atlas, but you will find the nation of Ethiopia. That's the same joint. Cush was an ancient name for Ethiopia. And so that's interesting because a river flows, Ethiopia is a desert place. This river flows to the desert and rivers flow to the ocean. They don't flow to the desert. So to start with, there's a little bit of an oxymoron here because this is not the way rivers go, right? You all know that when you see a river, you hop on that river, you, 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 know, you get onto a, a canoe or a boat or something, eventually you'll find yourself uh, in an ocean. You don't expect to find yourself in a desert. But this river flows to the desert place. It flows to the land of Cush. It flows to Ethiopia. Now, if you want to go home and do this, by all means, go ahead and do it. I've already done it for you to save you the time. Do a study of the Bible and find out how often Ethiopia is mentioned and what is the significance of Ethiopia. I'll tell you what it is. Ethiopia, if you might have heard of the Queen of Sheba, the Queen of Sheba was the Queen of Ethiopia. Again, it's the same place, just a different name. Names change over, over time. Uh, you might have heard of the, uh, of the Ethiopian eunuch in, uh, in the book of Acts, right? You know, he got baptised and next thing you know, he's gone back to Ethiopia. Uh, the Ethiopian eunuch was a, uh, was a high official in the Ethiopian government. He was like an ambassador, might be today, at that kind of level. The Queen of Sheba, well, she clearly was pretty high official. She was the queen. <laughs> so she was like the monarch of the place. And, and, and here's, here's, the, here's, I believe, the application. That when you let what God places in your life to flow through your life, you increase your influence with man. Because the queen has huge influence with man, doesn't she? When the the Queen says, go, people go because she's the Queen. <laughs> um, the Ethiopian eunuch was an ambassador. He had great influence over his nation, great influence over the people of his world. And what I'm suggesting to you is this. If you allow what God places in your life to flow out of your life, not only will you find gold, not only will you find meaning, not only will there be value added to your life, but you'll find a whole sphere of influence with people that you never would have had before. When you think about it, this makes perfect sense. Because if I was to ask you this morning, who are the most influential people in your life? Who are the people who you love the most? Who are the people who are the, uh, the closest to your heart? Inevitably, it's the people who have given you the most. The people who have given the most to you are the people who have the most influence over you. Solomon put it like this, a man's gift makes room for him. And we know this uh, to be true because the people who have had the most influence over my life are the people who have given the most to me. 
See, I want to suggest to you that you can influence short-term by coercion. But if you want to influence long-term, you influence long-term through sacrifice. Jesus sacrificed His whole self for us. Now He has incredible influence over us. If you want to have influence over this world, sacrifice for this world. I've got to tell you, uh, we as a church in Ipswich, we want to have influence over our city. So I, I, uh, I, I'm quite good friends with the mayor. We, we've known each other for many decades. And I sent him a, a text two weeks ago. And I said, uh, hi, Paul. I've got $10,000, 150 people for, for uh, two Saturdays. We want to bless the city. What do you think we should do? <laughs> well, how many know when the mayor gets a text like that from someone? <laughs> You know, they're not whinging about the fact that garbage wasn't picked up. They're not whinging about the fact that the, the drainage isn't working or whatever, whatever. Because most often the mayor receives complaints from people. Most often people in influence are only ever contacted when you've got a whinge or a complaint, right? Have you ever written a letter to, you know, a politician? I guarantee that most letters politicians receive are letters of complaint. When a politician gets a letter that says, Hey, I know you're not taxing us. I know it's not a rate. I know it's not, you're, you're not enforcing us. But I've got $10,000 I want to sink into the city. And I also, we have a, you know, an army of people and we've got two Saturdays we set aside to come and bless your city. How many know that the influence of our church just went up in the context of our city? Because if you want your influence to grow, then let it flow. <laughs> let your time, your talent and your treasure flow out to others and your influence grows. And that's what we see by this, I believe, by this river that flows to the land, all around the land of Cush. It's a river of influence. You have been called, you have been called to influence this world, right? We are salt and light. What does salt and light do? Salt influences the dish, right? Light influences the path. It shows you the way to go. You want your influence to grow? You want your sphere of effectiveness to increase? Then take the time, take the talent and take the treasure that God's placed in your life and let it flow. Let it flow to people. Let it flow to those around about you and you'll find the end result is you have greater influence. Let's go on and see the name of the next river because there's still two to go. Um, the name uh, of the third river is the... Uh, is Hittichel. Uh, it's the one that flows, it's the one which causes, goes uh, east towards Assyria or modern day Iran. Um, the Hittichel River, you've probably never heard of it. Um, it actually still exists. The first two rivers, just by the way, have dried up. They don't exist today, historically speaking. The last two do. This one does, but it's had its name changed. Um, it's now called the Tigris. It's now called the Tigris River. And... Uh, and uh, where is it mentioned in the Bible? And what's the significance of this Tigris River that flows towards modern-day Iran? Uh, modern-day Iran and the Tigris River are right now front and centre in politics and the news. For any of you junkies who watch <laughs> politics and the news. Um, they're mentioned in the book of Daniel. Uh, Daniel has a vision um, on the Tigris River, where he sees this angel appear. And this angel says to him, 
I was sent from heaven when you first started praying, but the spirit uh, of the powers held me back. But you kept praying and I broke through and, and overcame the spiritual force that withstood me. And, and, and here's the thought. When the rivers flow, you don't just get influence over man, but you get influence over the spiritual. Because this is talking about a spiritual dimension. Now, um, in the New Testament, it talks about a husband who treats his wife badly, his prayers are hindered. If you don't flow with generosity, sir, to your spouse, then there is a spiritual price to pay. Uh, Peter says that your prayers are hindered. Why? Because you are stingy. That's why. <laughs> because you are not generous in your words. Because there's not a flow from your life. Because you're manipulative. Because you're trying to you know, get your way and fearful that if you give this, you might not get back. And, and, and so uh, fear has gripped your heart in the way you treat your spouse. And now this is having an effect upon your spiritual capacity to influence your world. If there's going to be a flow from your life, if you're going to take the talents and the treasure and the time that you have in this life, and if you're going to let it flow out to others, then not only are you going to find gold in your own life, meaning substance, not only are you going to have increased influence with man, but you're going to have an increased influence in the supernatural. It was Jesus who said, don't lay out for yourself treasures on the earth where you know thieves break in and steal and so forth. He said, lay out for yourself what? Treasures in, in heaven. Well, how do you do that? I mean, how do I take you know, a, a $50 bill and deposit that in heaven? How does that kind of metaphysical thing take place? How does it go from the, the, the physical as we know it and transcend into something, I guess we'd have to find it as supernatural. It's in heaven. I guess it's, you know, it's beyond natural. It's supernatural. And of course, we know what Jesus is talking about, don't we? Jesus is talking about the river that flows. He's talking about giving talking about flowing through your life. He says, as you do that, he says, don't lay up for yourself treasures on the earth. In other words, don't hold your finances. It's not just about money, it's about your life. Don't hold everything you've got back to yourself, right? It's mine holding it back here. Understand that when you let it go, when it flows, there is a supernatural dimension to it. You take the natural and you make it supernatural. See, you can take what's in your purse, right, in your wallet right now, and it's natural, right? You might have $100, it's natural. You want to make it supernatural? Give it. And you just made it supernatural. You took something that was natural and you created supernatural out of it. I really think that uh, Paul was keen on this idea when he said this. Uh, in was mentioned a little bit earlier, almost the verse after, uh, 2 Corinthians 9 and 6, which says this, But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, but he who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Uh, th there is a, a supernatural dimension to this reaping, folks. I I've got to tell you. Um, wh whoever sows sparingly shall reap sparingly. Whatsoever man sows, that shall he reaps, the Bible says. 
So, so if I give out microwave ovens, for example, let's say I, I sow microwave ovens. Does that mean I'm going to reap microwave ovens? I, I, I don't think so. I, I don't think if I you know, give away shirts, I'm going to reap shirts. I don't think the whatsoever, right? You've got to catch this. I don't think the whatsoever is in the thing. I think the whatsoever is in the meaning, right? Example, a woman comes to Jesus and anoints him for his burial. She's got this alabaster, you know, box of ointment, perfume, oil. And it's worth a lot of money, you know. It's a dowry. It's worth tens of thousands of dollars in terms of you and I understanding it. She takes it and she cracks it open and she washes his feet with it. I don't believe that the whatsoever, in the terms of what that woman gave, was the ointment. It wasn't the perfume. The whatsoever was in what the perfume meant to her. That's what she gave. She didn't give the thing. She gave the meaning of the thing to her, right? See, when you give, you don't give the thing. You give what it meant to you. So, you know, if I, if I find $50 lying out there on the street, I pick it up and I don't need it. I put it in the offering bucket. I didn't give the $50. I gave what it meant to me. And if I found it or stole it from you, it didn't mean anything to me. So I gave virtually nothing. See, what, what you give is not found in what you give. What you give is found in what it meant to you. And that dowry, that, that perfume meant an incredible lot to that particular lady who gave it. It's like the, the, the lady, you know, the, the old, um, the widow's might. She didn't give as much as everybody else. But that was, it was never measured in the amount. It was measured in the meaning. What she gave meant an awful lot more to her than what those others gave. And so the question isn't really, how much do you give? The question really is, what does it mean to you? How significant is the meaning of it? Because whatsoever you give, that you will receive. See, the meaning, that woman gave something of incredible meaning, uh, fullness to her. And as a result of that, we've been talking about her for the last 2,000 years. How many know that woman has never died in terms of her influence, right? I mean, every bloke, every preacher, every, uh, every Sunday school teacher, every, every church leader I'm aware of has told about that story, about that woman. Uh, that woman's influence has gone on and on and on and on and on for generation after generation after generation. She received hugely back. She could not have bought the influence that she received by the value of what she gave in earthly terms. But she gave it and now she has this incredible um, spiritual uh, influence. And I, listen, you, you, it's very difficult to measure this in kind of monetary terms. It, it has so much effect on, on so many aspects of your life. You know, um, I was talking with... Uh, your pastor last night about our, our children. We, we share uh, the idea of having three daughters. He has three daughters. I have three daughters. We were the only males in our home for many years until our daughter started getting married. And now, as I was saying last night, um, they started having, my children started having babies. And I had one granddaughter, two granddaughters, three granddaughters, and finally a grandson. Hallelujah. <laughs> so... Uh, <laughs> All I can say to the Brisbane Lions is they've got about four years to get their act together so that I can take this kid to an AFL game. But anyhow, 
the, um, the point I was making in all of that was there's a supernatural blessing over your family when you have a generous heart that you can't define in monetary terms. Uh, I, 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 I always say that, you know, you parent with the future in mind. You don't parent with the behaviour in mind. You parent with the future in mind. You, you parent with a desire that when those kids are old enough to not have to come home, that they want to come home, right? That's the goal of parenting, that when your kids have got their own life, they want to come home. That's the goal. And when you sort of start realising that, when your kids have married and moved off and moved around and now having their own families, establishing their own careers and their own pathways. And, and when they are prepared to sacrifice and make effort to come home, that's when you know this is the blessing of God, you see. Because you know, I, I would rather have um, my children serving God, having a revelation of God and wanting to be part of my family than, than having them sue each other over the billions that I might you know, leave when I, when I pass. Uh, at the end of the day, it's, it's not defined you know, in monetary terms. It's defined in just the blessing and it's hard to, it's hard to get your head around it, folks. But it, it's, there's an incredible blessing that's released, a spiritual blessing that has a tangible application. When you decide out of my innermost being, there's going to flow rivers of living water. You're not defined by the river, folks. You're defined by where the river flows. And where does that river flow? That river flows to a place where there's gold. That river flows to a place where you have increased influence in your world. That, that river flows to where you have an increased influence in beyond the world, right? You, we understand the three dimensions. You know, Yongi Cho taught us about this fourth dimension. There is a fourth dimension. There is a spiritual dimension. And there are people who have influence in that dimension. And how, do you get, how does your influence in that dimension grow? By the level of what flows through your life. This flows, this Tigris River, this, this, this supernatural um, uh, dimension to your life. And then, of course, there's this, uh, there's this fourth river. And the fourth river you've heard of. Um, the fourth river, it's funny, of all the four rivers that we, that we, that we learn that, that flowed from the, from the garden, right? They flowed from the very beginning of time. Two have dried up. One's had its name changed, but not this river. This river, and I'll read it from verse 14 of Genesis chapter 2. The fourth river is the Euphrates River. And the Euphrates River is flowing right now. You can go to the Euphrates River, throw in a line and catch a fish. It, it, it's there. <laughs> it exists. Um, the Euphrates River is, is interesting because it's mentioned in Genesis chapter 2, verse 14, right? So, you know, you want to call that the beginning of the Bible? How many of the Bible is a pretty thick book, right? Chapter 2, it's still the beginning. <laughs> Not too many verses in and boom, it's there, the Euphrates River. Go to the book of Revelation. It's not the last chapter of the book of Revelation, but come back a few, you'll find it there. This river flows through the Bible virtually from the beginning to the end. This river, which was... The first river that's, you know, that, that, that we ever knew to exist because, you know, it's flowing from the Garden of Eden, the, the, the dawn of humanity, the beginning of civilization as we know it. It's there. And yet we can still go to it today. This is a mighty river, folks. This is the river of history. Abraham moved along it 
the year of the Chaldeans. Israel was put in exile through it. This is an historic river. And, and, and I just want you to know something this morning, that God is in the history. The longest sermon recorded in the Bible was preached by a fellow by the name of Stephen. And if you have a read of it, it's just history. He goes through the whole history of the nation of Israel. Because God is in to history. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. You know, God's a generational God. God's purposes and times and, 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 and uh, plans go so far beyond just you and your world and now. Now you are part of it. Don't get me wrong. You are part of it. But this is a cataclysmic, huge, huge deal. This Euphrates River. This is the river of history. And in terms of its application to you and me, I, I believe it's this. I believe that you and I are, call, are called to make history. See, I, I hear people say things like, you know, well, what do you want you know, put on your tombstone when you die? You know, what do you, want, what do you want them saying about you at your funeral? And, you know, I understand that. There's some substance in asking those questions to understand what you really value in life. And too many times in life, you know, we get what we want and we lose what we value. And, uh, and help us to understand what we value. You know, th- those questions are relatively legitimate. But I think a better question is, what do I want to continue on after I die? Because it's, it's not just, you know, my three score and ten or however many years I might happen to have. Uh, I, I've been, you know, the pastor in the church there in Whispitch now. Uh, my wife and I um, took on the pastor at the end of 94, so whatever that works out to be. Um, you know, well over two decades. And the truth is, we're well over halfway into it, you know. I don't know how much longer we'll be there, but it won't be another 23 years, won't be another 24 years. We've already made over half of the contribution that we're going to make with our life. And, you know, you could go, oh, geez, how much longer have you got left, you know? Because that last 24 years went like that. <laughs> In the next 24 years and Boom, you know what I'm saying? All of a sudden, what are you then? You're sort of, you know, you're knocking on the door of, of, uh, of 80. And, uh, you know, you sort of, your contribution's starting to diminish a little bit. And you think, boy, doesn't life go quickly? It's sort of over in a, in a heartbeat almost. But the truth is your contribution outlasts you. And, and that's the thing. You are of historic significance. The value of your life supersedes your current experience. And, and that's what this Euphrates River is telling us. That when you learn to be an open vessel and, and God gives it and you just pass it on, right? That, that this is not mine, but this is God's and it's flowing through my life. I am part of a historic transformation. I am part of of something that is so much bigger than I am. Um, in, our, uh, in our church, we, are, you know, we, we often tell this story about this old lady by the name of Mrs. Machen, who was, uh, she wasn't a founding member of our church, but she was close to that. And uh, she got saved later in life and she's, she's dead. Now, I've actually met her. Uh, I, I know the lady because when I came to the church back in 1979, she was still alive. And uh, she was an elderly lady back in, you know, the, the late 70s, and she's well gone now. But uh, this lady, when she came to um, faith in Christ, she got really challenged in her life uh, on the, the truth of tithing. 
And I'm not, I'm not asking anybody to do this, by the way, right? This, don't, no one has to do this. I'm not saying people have got to do this. I'm just telling you this lady's story. And it occurred to her that she lived a whole life without tithing. And this is no good. I, I should have tithed. So she had a house. So she sold the house, figured out her tithe, and gave it. <laughs> now, today, the properties that we have on the corner of Pring and Roderick Street have been valued a little under $10 million. Right? We've got some significant things going on there, medical centers and all kinds of things that we've built over the years. But if I'm to trace this back as to how this little church in Ipswich got a foothold, it comes back to that one lady. Because they took that money and they bought a block of dirt on the corner of Pring and Roderick Street. And that became the beginning of now this huge complex that we have. And, and all I can say is that dear old soul, right, who did what she did, as I said, I'm not saying that's what anybody's got to do, but I'm just saying that that lady became a significant contributor to the history of the church in the town of Ipswich. And now the things that we do, we run homeless shelters for young people. We do all kinds of things in our community. You know, we, we've seen great blessing and all kinds of things happen. You can trace it back to one woman who said, you know, God has blessed my life and I'm going to let it flow. <laughs> and now she is an historic figure. <laughs> you know, I got that story. I, I, met the, I tell that story because it's a great story. I don't tell that story to, to guilt people or to make people, oh, that's what you're telling me that's what I'm good. I'm not telling you you've got to do anything. I'm just saying that this little old lady had a significant historical influence in the spiritual well-being of a city because she decided, I'm going to let it flow. <laughs> and you, you, you've got no idea what your life will add up to, the historical contribution that you will make if you decide, I'm going to let it flow. People like John Weasley and Charles uh, 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 William Booth and, and, uh, and many other great men of God, their, um, uh, their influence only grew after they died. And I think that's the way it should be. I actually think that your influence, the, the, the contribution of your life, once you go, should live on through the, through the things that you've been able to establish and the people who you've been able to influence and the contribution that you've made. Because you are the pivot of history for so much more than you could ever imagine. It's so easy, isn't it, to get caught up in the, in the, the mundane, to get caught up in the dramas of the moment, you know. Where's my phone keys? You know, oh, this mobile phone won't work, you know. They wish the kids had, wouldn't steal my mobile phone charger. That's, that's a one for me. And, uh, you know, how am I going to make it through the day? Now I've only got 50% charge, you know. And it's easy to get caught up in, in all the small minutiae and, and, and forget the fact that I am a pivotal individual in the history of the kingdom of God. I gotta live, what, a, what a thing to live up to. What a thing to understand. And, and what I have in my life, man, I can think, oh, what about the future? What if I don't get this? And what if I don't get that? No, 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 no. It, it's not just about me and my short-term needs and wants. There's something so much greater than this. Jesus said, out of your innermost being, rivers of living water will flow. Where will those rivers flow? They will flow to gold. They will fly, flow to 
significant value in your life. They will flow to increased influence with man, but increased influence with God. And they will flow to you becoming a pivotal individual, a pivotal contributor in the history of circumstances and people who you have never even met and may never even know their names. But one day, they'll rise up and call you blessed. One day, you might learn the significance of your life, the influence that you've been able to exhort on the world. Just, just one little word of warning, and then we're going to pray and we're done, and I, I know I've used up more than my fair share of time. But I do want to just share this one little thought with you, one little verse um, from Ezekiel 47, talking about rivers. This is about river, the river that flows from the, the throne of God. And uh, we're singing about rivers, we're talking about rivers, we, 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 we are becoming rivers. And this is talking, it says, the trees, the fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit because of the water um, from the century that flows to them. Their fruit will serve and their, uh, for food and their leaves for healing. I mean, talk about blessing. This is the blessing of the river, you see. When you decide that you're going to be this river, man, I've got to tell you, people will start making homes around you. Industries will start, will, 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 will set up shop near you because you're a mighty river. And this, is, this river that flows from God is a mighty river. Fruitfulness is upon that river. That was verse 12. But let me read you verse 11. But swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They will be left for salt. And I've seen swamps and marshes. Swamps and marshes, that's water at the edge of the river. Can I just say, stay in the middle of the river? <laughs> just stay in the middle of what God's doing. You know, I've seen people in the sort of, you know, in the middle of what God's doing, they get disappointed, upset, or whatever happens, and they sort of take one edge to the air, you know, kind of, well, I'm a bit closer to the bank now, but I'm still in what God is doing, and then something else happens, and it's sort of right on the edge now, and, and, but, you know, we're still in the river, we're still flowing, and before you know it, something else happens, and, and they just take another step, and they would have never stepped to the marsh before, not from the middle, but now where they're, now where they're kind of flowing, you know, they're not really flowing where they used to flow. Uh, stuff's happened in their life and, and they were disappointed or upset or disheartened. And, and, and it's kind of like, you know, one more step and poof, we're out of the river and we're in this marsh. Now, I've seen people move from the centre of the river of God's blessing, but today they're just in this backwater, this marsh. And they're completely justified about where they're at. What they don't realise is their kids are suffering. <laughs> what they don't realise is they've undermined their spiritual authority. They've taken away from the significance of the contribution they could make in the future. God had called them to be a history maker and now they're just a, uh, a swamp dweller. Don't become a swamp dweller, right? Make a decision this morning. So, you know, I'm going to stay in the middle of that river. I'm going to stay right there where God is blessing and I know that some things are going to happen. God's going to test my heart. He's going to test my motives. All that's going to happen. But I, I, I'm going to pass those tests. I'm not going to allow circumstances and situations 
to influence me. I'm going to make a commitment to stay in the middle of God's river. And my life will become a pivotal moment for people whose names are yet to be realised, for circumstances that are yet to be understood, for the historical contribution that I'll only really get my head around on that day when time is no more. Let's bow our heads. We're going to pray. Father, I thank you this morning um, for everybody who's in this room, Lord, who is carrying the, the blessing of God in their hearts, the blessing of salvation, the blessing of forgiveness, the blessing of belonging to your kingdom, the blessing of being part of a, 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 of a prevailing church, the blessing of employment, the blessing of family, the blessing of health, Lord, the blessing of intelligence, the blessing of understanding, Lord, the blessing of strength and of, uh, and of capacity and of gifts and of talents. Lord, there is just, this room this morning is, is chock-a-block with Your amazing blessing. Father, I pray where the damn walls need to break. Where we've been holding that blessing back out of fear of whether or not more blessing will flow. Lord, I pray this morning that there will become a crack at that dam. Lord, I, I, I pray this morning that the rivers will flow. Lord, the rivers of generosity, the rivers of forgiveness, Lord, the rivers of blessing, that those things that you've given to us, we wouldn't hold them unto ourselves. But Lord, we would allow them to flow, become a great resource for the communities and for the people who are around about us. In Jesus, I want to stand together, church. I'm going to ask the musicians to join us here on the platform. If they would, please. That would be great.